Luigi can start. All right, we'll be in John chapter 4. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So in chapter 3, we had a debate going on, and the disciples of John the Baptist and some of the Pharisees were saying, hey, Jesus, he's getting more followers than John, and John, they're saying, John, you're losing your fans, and they're going to Jesus. Kind of crazy, huh? That's what you want to happen. So that was going on. So we kick off in chapter 4, when it says, the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples, he realized that the Pharisees were trying to stir up controversy, trying to divide, and therefore Jesus like, I'm out of here. I'm not going to deal with this. So that's what's going on there. But the curious thing, I think a lot of you have heard this, he needed to go through Samaria. Let me give you a map. Let's see if you can see what's going on. Okay, I already lost track. Where did he start? Was he in... Samaria. He was star. He's going to the Galilee. So he's in Judea and going to the Galilee. So here's Israel, basically. Here's Judea. <coughs> here's the Galilee. And you see Samaria in the middle? So if you're going to go to Samaria, I mean, go home to Nazareth from Judea, what do you need to do? But the Jews avoided Samaria. They normally would go all the way across the Jordan, work their way up to go to the Galilee. Does anyone know why? Samaria didn't like Jews? And vice versa. There was great animosity between the two. And so I'll give you a little history. So prior to the time of Jesus, uh, Israel split into two parts, the northern and southern kingdoms. The northern kingdom was attacked by Assyria. Assyria just wiped them out, took everyone out of the northern kingdom. And they, they just took over. And what happened, bad things started to happen to the Assyrians. The animals were attacking them, they were just, things were out of control. And the Assyrians thought, oh no, their gods are coming after us. We need to bring some Jews back so that they can pray for us, they can teach us about their God, and we'll be safe. And so they brought some Jews back. And what happened, the Jews and the Assyrians intermarried, and they formed a religion that was a mix of Judaism and pagan and pagan things. They kept the first five books of the Bible, but they didn't have the rest of the Bible. And so that became the Samaritans. And the Jews looked at the Samaritans as half-breeds, as people that left the faith because they're following pagans. And they were on the bottom of the totem pole with the Gentiles. And they viewed the Gentiles as dogs, as nothing. And so that's what the controversy was. And the southern kingdom, Judah, was taken into captivity by the Babylonians. After 70 years, they were coming back through Nehemiah to rebuild their temple. And the Samaritans said, hey, we'll help you. And they said, no, we don't want your help. And so they actually became even greater enemies because of that. So there's all kinds of conflict. So the Samaritans built their own temple. 
Okay, so they built a temple in the, their own territory, and Jerusalem was the temple of the Jews. So that's what was going on. They hated each other. To give you uh, some examples where you see that come up, we're going to look at Luke chapter 9. I'll go ahead and read to you. You don't have to turn there. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? So you can see... There's more of that story. It's like that hatred that the Jews have for the Samaritans. Like, man, they didn't accept you. We're going to call them fire. And so you see that in the hearts of the Jews. They did not like the Samaritans. And so there's just this amazingly, you're going to take a, you're going to go all the way over to the river, cross the river, come up and around just to avoid this place where it would be so much easier to go straight through. And so... When Jesus, when it says he needed to go through Samaria, that was a very important phrase. Because he, normally people went around, yes? What were those verses in Luke? 51. 951 through 56. Thank you. Now, you look at that hatred that they had for each other, and I think you see that in pockets today. You see growing hatred in this country between nations. I'm just going to throw this out. What examples do you see? I'm not saying everybody within these groups will hate each other, but in general, what kind of groups and what kind of hatred do you see in this nation and in this world? Iran and Jews. Okay. You still see the conflict between the Jews and um, Islam and uh, all those countries around? I mean, that's Perfect example. Great hatred. Well, even in the Muslims, there's different groups of Muslims that hate each other. Within, yeah. You have the Sunnis and what are the other ones? There's two different groups and they'll kill each other. Anybody else? Even on a smaller scale? Jeff? There's still big time racism in America. Mm -hmm. I mean, not just black, white, but, you know, all different kinds of... I think it's growing, too. Yeah, it is. I see it in schools, I you see it in you just see it. And just between there's great hatred for the police and certain groups of the police, there's hatred between races, <coughs> even between Republicans and Democrats, right? Yes. It is a growing, growing, growing and before you know you would disagree, now it's like there's a dislike, not just a dislike, a hatred, wanting to hurt the other person. And so I just see a growing animosity that's happening. All right, let's keep going. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of the ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, sat thus by the well, it was about the sixth hour. And so when Jesus decided that he had to go through Samaria, 
It's because he had a mission. Because he knew that he had an appointment to meet someone. And he didn't care about the hatred. He didn't care about whether they're following the right God or whether they're doing the right things. He cared about the people. And so he had to go through Samaria. And another neat little thing there, he got tired and he sat. And again, you see the humanity of Jesus. And that phrasing there is not just he was tired, he was really, really tired. It just shows that he understands our weaknesses. He understands when we get tired, when we get frustrated. And it shows us the humanity that he had. Now, another important thing here, it says it was about the sixth hour. Does anyone know what time the sixth hour was? It's actually 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock. Yeah. And so, what happens is, the new day for the Jews starts at 6 in the evening. That's the trade, like, if you want... Like the Sabbath doesn't start at 12 midnight on Saturday. It starts 6 o'clock on Friday evening. So that's like their 12 o'clock. So the sixth hour from 6 in the morning, which is our 6 in the morning, is actually their midnight, would be 12 in the afternoon. And so we'll see why this is important. But a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Now, a few things a lot of commentators point out that nobody went to the well at 12 in the afternoon. It was just too hot. Everyone went in the morning when it was cooler. And they would go in groups. And so a lot of people speculate that she was an outcast. That she wasn't accepted among the women of the town. And so she had to go in the middle of the day after all the ladies had gone. And so it gives, uh, do you see the heart of Jesus? He wants to meet this woman who is an outcast, who is hurting. And I love this. He comes to her and says, give me a drink. There's so many ways that we can witness and share with people. And sometimes we think, oh, I need to think of that spiritual thing to say. You know, I got to think of that, that right scripture. I got to have the right thing. I'm going to witness to this person. But what does Jesus do? I'm thirsty. Give me a drink. And it's kind of neat. There's, you don't have to always just have that right scripture right away. He starts on a human level. He starts with something that she can relate to. I'm thirsty. Can you give me a drink? Yet, within that, there's a lot of things going on in her mind because there's hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. So that's the first problem. It's like, normally a Jew would not even talk to a Samaritan. So in her head, she's going to be thinking, what's going on here? And on top of that, <clears throat> women were looked down upon. Women were like, in the in that culture, were like the bottom of the barrel. 
And even the rabbis, let me read you something that I read. The strict rabbis forbade a rabbi to greet a woman in public. A rabbi not even might not even speak to his own wife or daughter or sister in public. There were even Pharisees who were called the bruised and bleeding Pharisees because they shut their eyes when they saw a woman on the streets and so walked in the walls and houses. It's kind of funny. I'm not look. I'm look. They're called the bleeding and bruised rabbis. And so. This really, really caught her attention, and you can see by, um, you can see by her response in, the one, in verse nine. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, "How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans." Jesus answered and said to her, "If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink." You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. All right. Pretty powerful. Now, Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God, again, he is working on her curiosity, working on her heart. He wants to bring her to a point where he can share with her the love of God. And he doesn't say to her, you know what, you Samaritans, you follow the wrong God. You are pagan words. He doesn't point out all of her faults. He doesn't bring a divide. He continues <coughs> to ask those questions and speak to her heart. If you knew the gift of God, if you only knew who you were talking to, you would ask me things. And when I read this, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Speak to her, Jesus. Like, <laughs> If you, like, she needs it. She's hurting. If she only knew, she'd be asking. And then I was reading a commentary and it hit me. God says to us, if you knew the gift of God, you would ask. You would pray more. If you knew the goodness of God, if you knew the faithfulness of God, if you understood the things that he has for you, for us, we would pray more. And I'm thinking, yeah, he's getting this. He's getting this woman. And he's like nailing her, and and it just hit me. It's like, man, I don't pray enough. A lot for me, a lot of times, out of sight, out of mind. I forget things. I don't pray for things, and I neglect. And I think it shows that I truly don't fully grasp God's goodness and what He has for me. Because if I did, I would ask Him for more things. I would depend on him for more things. And so, it's pretty powerful, powerful. Mm -hmm. And uh, the cool thing, it's the name of our church right here, he would have given you living water. <coughs> now, again, if you were hurried, you'd be like, living water? What's that? And it probably is like, what does he mean by that? And he just has a way of stating things that instead of people us telling or him telling things, she wants to ask more questions. He's causing her to want to know more. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw, walk, draw with, 
and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? That's pretty cool. So Jesus was sitting there. He didn't have buckets and a rope to get water. And so she's thinking, you don't even have a bucket. How can you give me any water, let alone living water? And what's cool to me here is she is stuck on the physical plane. She's thinking <coughs> of material, what I can grasp onto. And you'll see Jesus slowly bringing her to a spiritual level, bringing to a heart level. So she is like, you don't have anything to draw water with. What are you talking about? Are you greater than our father Jacob? And I was thinking, if I was Jesus, all right. Yes, I am greater than your father Jacob. I am the Messiah. I know things that he didn't. I think we all would have taken that opportunity. All right, we got the person right where we want them. They're asking. I'm going to nail them now. And Jesus does not say, yeah, I'm the Messiah. No. He continues to ask questions. Check this out. More mixed statements. Jesus answered and said to him, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Again, picture you're this woman at the well. And this is like crazy talk. If you drink the water that I give, you will never thirst again. And right now, Jesus has her like wanting to know more. This guy, who is this guy? This guy's incredibly saying things that I don't understand. I want to know more. And uh, again, I'm thinking, this kind of hit me. Whoever drinks of this water that I shall give them will never thirst. And then it kind of hit me in my own life that there are things that I take and think, wow, if I have this, I'll be satisfied. If I have this or do this or attain this, there are things I look back in my life and I realize, man, if I get this, that, that, that's it. I'll be happy. But what happens? We always thirst again. There's always a thirst again. Even as Christians, we do that. We all have things that we go to that we think, ooh, this is refreshing. But it always leads to being thirsty. And so it just causes me to just reflect and think, wow, what do I go to? What are the things that I think will really truly satisfy me? And not realizing it's Jesus. I have a quote from Donald Trump. This was a while ago. I don't know what year it was, but someone was interviewing him, and this is what he said. The excitement is in the quest. It's a disappointment once you get it. It's just the chase that's exciting. That's the thing that keeps you going. So he's just talking about it's that quest of attaining 
getting more money, getting a new building, owning something else. And he says, once you get it, the excitement's over. And you have to find that new quest. And Isaiah 55, I love this verse. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. So, I know, I, I see Jesus just drawing her, trying to make her realize that the things that she's living for in life are not going to satisfy her. But she still is focused on the water. Because her response is about water. Let's check this out, verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. She's thinking, man, if I get this water, I don't have to walk out here during the sun when it's all hot. Give me this water. I don't want to have to walk out here. I don't want to have to lift the rope up. I don't want to be thirsty again. And so, it's crazy. It's like, Jesus is still slowly drawing her. And instead of saying, dummy, I'm talking about spiritual things. He doesn't. Check this out. What does he say to her? Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. And so we kind of see where she's coming from. It appears that she, her need, she was seeking satisfaction in men. And she could not find it. That's the thirst that Jesus wanted to address. Because she had five husbands and the person she's with now is not her husband. It's just not satisfying her. And Jesus wanted to reveal to her that's your issue. It's your heart. It's what you're seeking. It's not a physical water that you're drinking. It's the thirst of your heart. And what are you looking for? The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and the Jews say that it's in Jerusalem, that in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. I'm kind of going to go back a little bit, and uh, I kind of think, just in my own heart, there are sometimes groups or people that Kind of like, I like the disciples have an issue with. They had an issue with Samaritans. And 
Maybe my heart's not in the right place. And in my heart, I get angry at some things they do, or I get frustrated, and I almost think of it as me against them. And that's kind of what the Jews were doing. They were looking at the Samaritans saying, they're half-breeds, they're following pagans, they're doing all these bad things, they're our enemy. They're my enemy. They are worthless. We should call fire down from heaven and burn them all up. And sometimes I find myself having that attitude, attitude, and God has to check me and to realize it's not us against them. Um, a good example is in the book of Judges, not Judges, sorry, Joshua. Let me see if I get Joshua chapter 5. So this is when Joshua was called by God to go and take the promised land. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for your adversaries? So that's Joshua 5.13. And so Joshua sees Jesus Christ with the sword. And he comes up to him and says, Are you for us or for our enemies? And what was Jesus' response? He said, No. <laughs> he didn't say, I'm for you. I'm for them. No, you're wrong. I'm for people. You view them as your enemies. I view them as lost people that need God. And so... From this, I'm just seeing where is our heart? Do we truly love people? Or do we see them as our enemies? And it's really important that we have a heart of compassion like Jesus. Because he didn't get caught up in the Jews and Samaritans. Who's better? Where should we worship? And because you see that he didn't even answer her directly. You know, where do we worship? What do we do this? And he says, there are... I'll read to you. So when she was saying, who's right, the Jews, the Samaritans? You know, she's trying to get an answer. She's trying to have him pick sides. And I'm going to read that again. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. So he didn't, he didn't say, you're right, they're right. He just said, you know what? People are going to worship everywhere. It's not going to be in Jerusalem. And it's not going to be in your temple or their temple or something everywhere. And so he wasn't going to take the bait. He wasn't going to divide. He wanted to unite. And so, pretty awesome. Just the view that Jesus takes. And again, it's all about just loving people and not debating, not fighting, but speaking to their heart. Speaking to the issues of their heart. Hers was she was empty. She was seeking fulfillment. And Jesus knew it was in him. And then uh, verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. And I can see that she's starting to think spiritually. Before it was all about physical. I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I, he speak to you, and he 
This thing's pretty awesome. Instead of him at the very beginning, I'm Messiah. She got to the point where she realized, are you Messiah? Are you the one that we've been looking for? And Jesus said to her, I am. That's me. Let me finish off here. jump down to verse 27. 27? Yeah, 27. I think that's where I left off. And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the man, come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out to the city and came to him. Now it's really cool that she left her water pot there. The whole conversation is about water and not thirsting again at the beginning. But then she left that because she realized she didn't need that. She had the true living water. And she left that behind, went to the city, and said, I have found the Messiah. He has told me all things. And we're going to jump down to verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we knew that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. And so it's pretty cool. She immediately became a witness. She testified to the people, I found the Messiah. He's telling me things that he shouldn't know. He understands me. And she invited him out, and it wasn't until they themselves saw Jesus that they believed because they said they said we heard what you said but but um, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that he is the savior as they said not because of what you said and so it kind of reminds me people come to Christ usually in a progression their hearts are softened by the Lord and you see that some people will plant seeds some people water the seed. Some people will reap the harvest. And so, you don't know where you are in that chain. The woman was, wasn't the final step. She invited, but they said, we didn't really believe until we heard it from Jesus. And so, it's really cool. Some of you feel like, well, I'm not a good witness. I don't share, I don't bring people to Christ. But you don't know how many seeds you planted. You don't know how you have spoken to people's hearts. And you probably won't know until you go to heaven. When God shows you, remember that time you're at the park? And remember when you were at the restaurant being a waiter? The person at the table next to you saw that? And you know, you never know. There's God works powerfully. 
and not because of us, but because of him. Because he wants to use us in special ways. And so, I think it's uh, just important for us to just evaluate our hearts. Who are we battling? Are we battling Satan or are we battling people? And we need to be battling Satan in prayer. We need to ask the Lord. We need to ask him because of his goodness and believe. Yeah. What was <coughs> Satan's name when he before he was a fallen angel? Lucifer. Yeah. Lucifer, that still sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> Just because of the connotation probably from <laughs> Yeah, everything. Okay, thank you. Anybody else have a question? Sorry, I was no, totally off track, but it just funny came back to me. Yeah. All right, that's great. Father, we just thank you for your, just your faithfulness, your goodness, Lord. And we ask that you help us to understand better who you are, just how good you are, Lord, and the things you have for us. Lord, that you would teach us to pray. Teach us to ask, Lord, and that we would just learn of your goodness, Father. And I also ask that you would give us hearts of compassion, <coughs> hearts of love for people, Lord, that we would just be a light, that we would just have words, Lord, that would draw people, not push people away, that you would give us the wisdom of the right things to say. And Father, that your heart and your love can be expressed through us, Lord. Help us to just be the people that you called us to be, Lord. We love you and thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.